Welcome to the Credit Carl Show. I'm your host, Credit Carl, where every week I teach you how to master the credit game so you can create wealth. Every rich person that you know reached their level of wealth by leveraging their credit. So I'm going to bring you free credit tips. We're going to interview some business leaders that leverage their credit. And I'm on a mission to teach you to do the same. Welcome to the Credit Carl Show. I'm your host, Credit Carl, where I come to you weekly. The name of the game is Master Credit So You Can Create Wealth. Every rich person that you and I know reached their level of wealth by leveraging your, their credit. And the guest I have on today, he's no different. His name is Judge Graham. He's coming to us from Texas. Welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Absolutely. So Judge has uh, scaled and sold two companies, one in the millions and one in the hundreds of millions. So he knows what he's talking about. He's got a new book that's coming out, Scale with Speed. We're going to talk about that. But there's no way in my mind that you can buy and sell and scale and do any of that unless at some point you had to leverage your personal and your business credit. So we're going to talk about that. Okay. Sounds good. Well, let's just get right into it. So if you could just share your story, how did you get into this business? Why are you the, uh, the speed king? So for me, speed is, is critical, right? We live in this environment now where everything is so fast, right? If you think about, you know, the iPhone, what, what has happened just with this iPhone in the last 10 years and how things move so fast and, you know, customers and consumers and business people have to be on 24 seven. Now the environment is so much faster, right? So in all of my companies, I've practiced and harnessed this power of speed and it's, it's fared well for me. And so I thought it was critical to grow any company. You have to understand how to make decisions fast, right? How to um, monitor and adjust things quickly, how to be always on for your customer, how to grow quickly and profitably and speed is just a component and it's kind of the, the mantra that, that I live behind. Absolutely. Take me, take me through your, your background. Like how did you get into, you were young starting that first business, right? You were in your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Later. I I'm almost 40 this month, man. So I'm getting older. Oh my God. I just turned 42. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. So, uh, I started uh, the last year in college, uh, my first company. So yeah, I was in early, early 20s. So I've been serial entrepreneur kind of my whole life, been selling something, whether I was, you know, at three to four years old, you know, trying to sell a pencil to beepers, to watches, to selling Cutco knives door to door. I've always had this entrepreneurial bug and always wanting to sell things. So that's just kind of been part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. But my first real... Um, I guess, you know, start into business was with web design and development. And what I found, Carl, was I was selling, it was project-based. So every day was a freaking new day. You'd go sell a website, you'd finish it, you'd get some cash, and it was a new day. I had no predictability or recurring revenue. And so even if you grow a big company, and we grew, you know, like a million-dollar company um, at the time, you know, young kid, but it, it was never scalable in the sense because every day was a new day. Mm-hmm. So... From then on, that company actually failed. It was a really low for me. 
and then went into a new company, um, digital marketing, which I had recurring revenue and grew that company, sold it, sold it to somebody else, helped them grow that company and then sold it again. And I'm sitting with you here today. So go back to the company that failed though. So what did you learn with that? Um, you know, and, and we're talking about not having recurring revenue. I don't know if that was part of it, but when I first started in the credit repair business, I was partnered up with a guy and we used to charge a flat fee, just a one-time fee. And it was just, I felt like it was the same number every single month. And when I started my own company, I'm like, I got to charge monthly for two reasons, to compete with the national companies, but also that recurring revenue really made me go, holy shit, this thing is scalable, man. Like I, I this is, this is big. So going back to your first company, like what, what happened? What was the mistake that you weren't able to succeed with that? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's recurring yeah. revenue, right? If you, if you look at the power of recurring revenue, it does a couple things for you. One, there's predictability. When you have predictability in your business and you wake up and you know with 98% accuracy that following month, you're going to have X in your bank account. How you think, how you make decisions, um, how much credit you are willing to risk to take out changes the game. Yep. But, but when you're in this mindset and you're selling project based or these one-time occurrences, and even if you're doing phenomenal at it, right, at some point you realize, holy shit, next month, dude, I got to sell that same thing or more to continue to handle the new expenses that I took on. And so the mistake for us was we took on more people, we took on more space, we did all these things and we had no predictability. So we were only as good as how much I could sell. Right. But you know what, if, if for anyone listening out there, I believe that people feel like they're sitting in their normal job right now and maybe they want to start their own business and they got this really good idea, but they're like, well, there's a lot of pressure involved. I don't know. I don't feel a lot of pressure for many reasons, but one of them is recurring revenue, okay? To me, there's a lot of pressure when you're only as good as your last month. I gotta go out and sell you know, $50,000 in websites uh, in a week or five days or whatever it is, that's pressure. But for me, I could literally walk away with recurring right now for eight or nine months and my income would stay like this. So like the yeah. pressure's off with that model, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, what's great. I mean, I, I'm on a mission now to help people. I, I believe any business, I don't care if you're in plumbing to a service business, to a product based business. I believe there's three types of recurring revenue. There's a service based model. There's a membership based model. And then, um, well, I guess there's really two. I mean, between membership and service, you can almost sell any sort of recurring revenue. Absolutely. Go back to that first business one more time. I don't want to talk about your failures, but I, I always look back at my failures and there's gold in there. There's nuggets. Do you regret any of that? Or you look back at that first business that didn't work out when you were young, you were probably like really cocky, right? I have to assume if you got a business that's in the seven figures that you're, you're confident, you're young, you're cocky, but what did you pull from that experience? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, no. I, I think what I, I pulled from it, you know, I believe in, in, and I write this in my book, there's so many what I call bullshit books out there that are academic. I'm a practitioner, man. I mean, everything I've done, I, I've, I've learned hard knocks, right? I mean, it's, it's so, but those mistakes and those failures help put me where I am today. So I, I can't, I wouldn't want to change those because there were huge learning experiences, you know, for me. 100%. But 
it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, man, to, to fail, you know, and it's tough to, to make those bad decisions. But I think it's, it's all part of, of you know, what it feels like to win. I talk about, a lot about this. We need to know what it feels like to lose so you know the effort that it takes to, to win and what it feels like to win. So I think sometimes failure is a good thing. A hundred percent. I was just listening to a podcast. Dave Metzler was on our mutual friend, Matt Monero, and he was talking about his business that failed. And then when he, back at the time when he was filing bankruptcy, he kept saying like everyone around the goes saying, man, I saw when Dave was hot and making a lot of money, but I, I can't wait to see what he does when he comes out of this uh, and everything that he's going to learn from it. And he's twice as dangerous as he was before, only from those experiences. So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't trade him for anything, too, everything that I've been through. So uh, let's talk about um, speed, right? Like at what point during your businesses, your early career, when did, you, when did it click that, like, speed was it? Like I had to get there before the next person did. Yeah, so I, I believe all companies, you, you, people build companies, right? So unless you're just a – a sole entrepreneur, you're, it's more of a lifestyle business. You're not really building a company, right? You need five to 10 people before you, you start actually having a, a company, right? With, with people. And so for me, people create speed and momentum and something, momentum is magical, right? When you communicate to your team, here's the vision, here's how, here's the role you're going to play in that vision. You get them aligned and then you start executing off of that vision with alignment, it, Carl, it creates momentum. It creates that speed, right? And that speed is something magical. If organizations can, can harness that momentum and speed, it becomes magical, right? When you have alignment, focus, and rhythm, the speed just starts to happen, and the wins start to happen, and then you start to scale. And so my book is all about the right framework to give you the ability to get aligned, to get into rhythm, and how to hold people accountable, how to make decisions, and how to move freaking fast, but scale with profitability. Yeah, dude, I can learn from that. I mean, you're talking about culture. You're talking about everybody having the same culture, understanding people drinking the Kool-Aid. So I can definitely learn from that. And it's, it's almost impossible to scale or grow your business by yourself. You need people to do that. You need the momentum. So that's what Judge is saying. You need everyone in the same alignment, having the same culture, understanding every single day, what's our purpose here? What's our meaning? What are we trying to accomplish? So I can definitely learn from that. Um, let's talk about your, your quote, uh, inch uh, wide and a mile deep, which I absolutely love. Talk about that. What, is that. what does that mean? Yeah, so inch wide, mile deep is, is, is niche. Right, I believe niche will get you rich, and I talk a lot about this in in the book. So, um, speed is an actual formula, right? And the the P in speed is pick your niche, and pick your niche is this whole concept of become an inch wide in a mile deep. And when you think about that concept, and you're doing it, I love it, right? I mean, you're focusing in credit, right? That's that's the lane you play in. And I learned from my first business, failure from not being niched, right? I started doing web design and development and was really good at that. And then as I continued to be good at that, people would say, well, hey, can you build a logo? Can you do PR? And as an entrepreneur, yeah, you want the money. You're going to, yeah, I can do that. But, but the problem is now you have to staff and hire another skill set. 
Now you have to create a new billing process. Now you have to create new product processes. Go back to that. Just elaborate on that. Because me, now there's no speed anymore, right? If you are an inch wide and a mile deep and you're really good at one thing, right? You it's fast. To figure everything out. There's the probability of, okay, how can I make this huge really fast? Although if you start taking on other projects that you haven't tested out that might take you a year or two to figure out, does this make sense? You just lost your speed, right? Not only lost your speed, you lost your margin, you lost good talent, you lost uh, uh, higher profitability. I mean, you, you, quicker processes, better product, better customer service, all of those things, right? So when you're an inch wide and a mile deep, the, the freaking market, I don't care what it is, you could sell uh, number two pencils that are red. That's it. That's your niche, right? There's a big enough market out there, I promise you, this global market just to sell that. And if you figure out how to do it, correctly and scale it you're going to make more money you're going to be happier and you're going to move faster but judge i gotta i gotta push back though so i'm very small-minded so i a hundred percent agree with inch mile wild deep i get it um i want to be good at one thing okay it, it applies to sports for me as well which is crazy like um when i'm playing basketball golf's not in my life i'm in a league i'm, I'm like right. all in on basketball and i stink at golf and then when i start playing golf i'm like Everything I do is just golf and I can't make a jump shot. It's like I'm all in on one thing and I want to get really good at it. So, I mean, what do you say to the per – like there's people out there that have 25 businesses, right? And they do a million different things. What, why is that person different than what you and I believe? Well, I, I think it's okay. If you have 25 different businesses and they're all niche and you can actually manage them, then it's okay. The, the problem is if it's one business – and you're trying to be the best, you know, golf clubs out there and selling that as well as the best basketball, you're just, it's going to be harder. It's not that it's not possible, but if you're trying to harness speed and become a market leader, you know, we're, we're living in this verticalized, very specific. I talk a lot about, think about doctors. A general practitioner is an amazing practice, right? If you're a general practitioner, it's awesome. But if you go to a dinner party and somebody says, hey, I'm a general practitioner versus you walk up and you go to a brain surgeon, there's just this aura about the brain surgeon, right? The brain surgeon works potentially less, is harder to get into, and makes three or four times more than the general practitioner and, and, and has more leads than, than they can handle. Why is that? Because they're freaking niche. They right. went an inch wide and a mile deep. So as a society, we also have this perception that we want the expert. Right. So if you were the expert, you know, if Carl was 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 loans, he was credit and he was mortgage or in insurance. I'm making it up. Right. You're, you're just like a jack of nothing to me. Right. But you're the freaking credit guy. Right. Carl, the credit man. So like that's that's the niche, dude. It it uh, I, I believe passionately about it. There's so many people out there that I will, that will remain unnamed that I know that, that they're that person that you're talking about, that they're good. They, are, they try to be good at 10 different things and they're not even good at one of them. There's a lot of uh, credit repair companies now popping up on Instagram and you look at their profile and they do five or six other things. They got all these affiliate programs. And so then you have to question judges like who's the, who, what person actually trusts this so-called expert that does 10 different things and they're just okay at each of them. It's, it's crazy to me. But the reason, one of the reasons I got in this business is because I was thinking to myself, what was, what rhymed with, like what sounded good with Carl, credit Carl. Yeah. So that, 
that's exactly how I got into it. No, that's not at all. I didn't even name myself that. Somebody in the mortgage business gave me that name and it kind of stuck. I love it. It's a great name. It's so awesome. Let's go back through your, um, your businesses, like the, the million dollar business and the, in the hundred millions that you sold, just kind of take me through that a little bit. Cause I'm fascinated with that. I had some partners in the past before, and that, that was our game plan. It never worked out, but man, it was fun talking about it and, and seeing it maybe, uh, come to life one day. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, and I talk a lot about it in my book, but it's, it's a different, you know, you, you've got to start with your end game. Like, what do you want out of your business, right? It, do you want to create a multi-million dollar business? Do you want to create a hundred million dollar business? And knowing what you want helps pave that path of what you need to do, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, you can't, it's really hard to sell a hundred million dollar business by yourself, right? You're going to need a huge organization, a lot of revenue. You're going to need private equity partners. You're going to need just a slew of different things versus if you're going to sell a multi-million dollar business. So a, a lot of that is understanding what do you want out of your business. And I think so many people, <clears throat> they go into business and, and they don't really know what their end game is, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> so if you don't know your end game, how do you plan on structuring and growing whatever you're doing? You know, so to me, it's, it's, it's the principles, no matter if you're selling a multi-million dollar company or a hundred million dollar company, the framework in, in how you make those decisions and how you operate is the same, but the decisions that you make are different, right? How you make them are. And it's okay to play small, right? I mean, totally. you know, it's okay to not have every business turn into a scalable business that you sell for hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe you figure out along your journey, if you're starting this, you say you want to, maybe it's better that you are by yourself. Maybe you don't get along with other people. Maybe you don't want to hire people. You right. know, so it's okay though, but we're talking no, it's, about it's, it's definitely okay. I mean, it's, you know, th there's a lot more things than just money, right? Do you want lifestyle? Do you want flexibility? Do you want to have, be able to travel and still, you know, make a hundred, you know, a few hundred thousand a year? What is your motivation, right? That's why I say when you, what is your end game? So if your end game is you want a fucking yacht and an island, well, you're going to have to step up, right? You're going to have to sell it for hundreds of millions. But if you don't want those types of things and you want to have a good life and you want to schedule your own hours and do that, that's okay. You just need to know that going in because you need to make the right decisions. I don't want a yacht. Cross out the yacht. I want a jet. Yacht's a <laughs> okay. a, yacht's a lot. You're going to have to get to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. We'll just touch on this real quick because I think it's important for anybody um, that's paying attention. We got Judge Graham on the show from Texas. He's got a book coming out, Scale with Speed. I'm a huge believer in that. Um, we're both uh, you know, following Cardone, and Cardone always says, the big don't eat the small, the fast eat the slow. That's 100% true. But going back to like a lifestyle business versus scaling a business for millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, I had a business coach when I first started this company seven years ago, and he had me so convinced in my head that I needed to have my country club a mile away, my house, and my office, all three of them within a mile of each other, and never get too big, and he never thought this was scalable. And I remember it was like, you know, two years into it, and I was like, I'm buying into this, man. I'm like working from my house, I'm working from my office, my club. I'm playing 20 hours of golf a week. I'm working 20 hours. I'm like, this right. is cool. 
but that wasn't making me happy. There was something much bigger out there. Yeah. And I figured that out. So what tips would you have for like a small uh, business owner? Let's call them in the half million or a million dollar in gross sales. What type of tips would you have for someone like that? I would, I would have the tip of, again, what do you want to do with this business? Like really sit down and, and vision board out what is success of this business? Because I think you hit on something that's like, are you happy in the business, right? Maybe they're working too hard and they don't, they don't want to be at a million dollars. They want to be at 500 and they want to play, you know, 20, 20 hours of golf a week, right? Or they do, they want that jet, right? So what do you want out of the business and I always tell Carl, to me, when you people dream, it doesn't mean shut, right? If you want something, you have to say it and you've got to put a date against it because it makes it real, right? So to me, it would be mapping out what is the goal of the business and when do you want that goal by would be my probably number one advice. And so many entrepreneurs and business people, they can't answer that question, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you figure that out, are you willing to do the work in between what you want in that date to get there? Now, judge, do you coach people on that? Like somebody has to have a niche if they come to you, right? Or can you, you can't help them find that niche, right? No, totally. So I'm writing my second book right now. It's called Mastering Recurring Revenue. Um, and in my first book, and then primarily in the second one I'm doing right now. Yeah, I, I literally, I have a framework in a workshop that walks you through how to select a niche wow. and not only select a niche, but then how to make sure it's a recurring revenue niche. Dude, there's so much gold in that, right? Cause I I'm already bought in on the scale with speed. I get it. It makes sense. I'm all in, but so many people right now struggle with, well, what would I do? You know, once again, I'd like in my head spinning with all these names that I should just blast out there. And they're like, well, you got lucky Carl, because you know, someone taught you this business right. and you watched them do it. I'm like, you're, you're not under, you're not getting it though. Um, you know, but I think sometimes it comes, you correct me if I'm wrong because you're the one that's going to coach people. But to me, it's about finding, um, people's problems and solving them. That's what a business is. I can solve your problem. And then is it, can I go big with this? Right? Yeah, no, that's, it's huge. You, you, that's definitely a huge part of it. Right. I mean, the free advice I would give to everybody listening would be, um, you know, find something you, you like, right? You don't even have to love it. Something you like to do, right? You're good at it. And are you making money at it? Right. And is, is the potential audience there to make money at it? And then you're exactly right. Go talk to the customer, right? So many people don't talk to the customer. They sit behind the laptop and they go, well, I think they're going to like this, right? This is going to be a great idea. Go find the pain, go find the problem. And can you do something to solve it and then execute you win? That's when I fell in love with this business judge is when I started talking to the customers and I started realizing what kind of impact we were having on their lives. Cause I just kind of got into this business like, well, you know, I get it. I, I'm really good at fixing credit and then let's see how it works. But when I really started talking to my customers, like, holy shit, like this had a really big impact. This completely changed the direction of this person's life. And, and that's how I really got all in, you know? So yeah, awesome. how, do, um, how do people find you? Uh, I know you got a huge following on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, easiest way is judgegram.com. Uh, all my social handles are at judgegram. And then if you want to buy the book, you can go to scalewithspeed.com or judgegram.com. And, uh, you know, please follow me, check out the book. It's been uh, endorsed by major players, people that have sold over 30 million 
um, copies and books. And Wait, the is the, book, the book's out? Oh, yeah, no. yeah. Oh, okay. it is. Okay. Yeah, well, the book's out. It dude, came you're, not out call, of, you're not calling me out on that? I, I got to get the book. What, I mean, yeah. <laughs> go get a book. I'll get you a book. So it's, uh, it's, it's been out. Uh, you can pre-order on Amazon, but I'm going to have it available on my site for purchase either today or later this week, but you can take a pre-order. But I've got uh, 5,000 copies right now, and I think I'm, I'm going to sign the first 5,000. Awesome, dude. I'm going to try to help you sell some books with my influence as well. Thank you for being a guest on the show, dude. I buy into Inch My Wild Deep, Scale with Speed. I'm excited to read your new book. I love what you're doing. I learned something new too that you can actually help people find their niche because that's one of the big things. They're just struggling out there. And I can tell you, right, this show, The Credit Carl Show, I'm going to see you guys next week where we continue to teach you to understand that you got to master credit to create wealth. Okay. That's exactly what judge did. And I'm going to teach you guys how to do the same thing. See you next week. Thanks brother. You got it.